The scripture this morning is taken from Psalm 32, verses 1 through 11. Psalm 32, 1 through 11. This passage is kind of a tie-in with what Pastor Bill said about the real miracle being the forgiveness of sins. Psalm 32, 1 through 11. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, my bones wasted away through the groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and watch over you. Do not be like the horse or the mule, which has no understanding, but must be controlled by bit and bridle, or they will not come to you. Many are the woes of the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surrounds the man who trusts in him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous. Sing, all you who are upright in heart. If you would take your Bibles, please, and open them to Luke chapter 5, we're going to read a story with which you are probably very familiar already. But I want to take a look at, a fresh look at it this morning. The story is about a miracle that Jesus did, but actually there are two miracles, and I want to focus with you this morning on what I think the real miracle was. Luke chapter 5, and we'll begin reading there at verse 17. Luke chapter 5 and verse 17. Luke writes, one day as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, like these were big mucky mucks and they had come from all over, uh, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. Can you imagine that happening in church here? Whoo! That'd be cool. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, Who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, Why are you thinking these things in your heart? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven, or to say, Get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin, he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. 
They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. I had the privilege of growing up in one of the, what I think is one of the most beautiful places in Canada. I grew up in, in what is the heart of the beautiful Bockley Valley in the northern interior of BC. Anson, if you would throw that first slide on there. Now this is mostly what I saw when I looked out of the windows of my schoolroom. And right next to, that's the ski hill up there on the left hand, or right hand side, by the way. And uh, that's where I spend most of my weekends from the time I was about 12 years old, right up until the time that Kathy and I got married. But if you look just to the right of that, next slide, Anson. This is Hudson Bay Mountain. It's absolutely spectacular scenery. It's a beautiful place. Now, in, in B.C., the roads don't make sense. It was weird for us to come out to the prairies because everything here runs north, south, east, and west. And, and there, if you want to go north, you wind up going east, west, and south in order to get north to where you want to go. And, and because the roads go through the mountains and through the, around the mountains and through the valleys, and uh, it's just one of those things. The next slide. Uh, this is one of the waterfalls that was close to home, came off the glacier that's on Hudson Bay Mountain. The next one, Manson. This is the main street of my hometown. This is what you saw when you drove down the main street and headed toward the CN, toward the train station. And um, again, there's mountains all around us. Oops, go to that snowy one, the next one there. That's a place called the Telqua Range. Uh, which is, Telco was a town that was about uh, eight or nine miles away from us, and, and there's uh, lots of people would come here from miles and miles around to go snowmobiling. The next one, Anson. This is called the Telco Pass. And back in the days when uh, Kathy and I were engaged and I still had a, a pilot's license, Kathy and I used to fly through here fairly regular to go for coffee uh, fairly close to the West Coast. Uh, yeah, it was kind of cool, you know. Um, now, next slide, um, and that's the Bulkley River. Uh, I grew up in the Bulkley Valley, that's the Bulkley River, and this is uh, 20 miles, uh, well, it's actually north, but it's, it's Highway 16 west, but it, it runs on, uh, it's going north right about there, and if you look, see, if we get this little, see that little red dot there? These things here, over there and over here, these are called the fish ladders. Now, there's millions of salmon come up here every fall to spawn in, in the Bulkley River, the Kispiox River, the Babine River, uh, come out of the Skeena River, which comes into the Pacific Ocean at Prince Rupert, and come up in all these creeks and tributaries into the Buck River and, uh, and various places where uh, these fish spawn. And it was an absolutely spectacular place to live. And, and the scenery, like I, I spent years staring at those mountains as I was daydreaming when I was supposed to be working in grade school and high school. And I spent weekends up on the mountains skiing and having an absolutely wonderful time. I enjoyed hunting and fishing in that area. And I used to buy magazines on hunting and fishing and read about the walleye and pickerel and northern pike and bass. And I wondered what it would be like to catch some of those fish because the fishing that I did all I ever caught, I used to fish just about, um, about 100 meters downstream from the bottom of the picture we used to fish. All I ever caught there were salmon. And, and 
you know, like, like uh, and when I fished in the lakes and in the rivers, we had, we had cutthroat trout and rainbow trout and dolly varden and steelhead uh, and all those things. Now, for some of you ladies that aren't into fishing, that may not mean a whole lot. For, some of you guys will probably start to salivate a little bit and wish you could be into there. But, you know, I, I used to... I used to feel hard done by because we didn't have any walleye or pike or any of those things. And, and so, you know, like, like you just kind of, you get so used to it. And the mountains, well, they were just kind of there. I mean, they were a nuisance when you, when you were logging because you had to go up the hills. It was absolutely, you had to claw your way up the hill and then you had, a, had your heart pounding coming back down the hill when you had 18 or 22 wheels locked up and you were sliding down the hill and lost control. Gary's sitting there smiling at me. People like Gary, Gary used to drive a sand truck. People like Gary were worth the, the sand truck's weight in gold, man. We'd come sand this hill for me, dude. <laughs> you know, like, um, and, and I used to wonder about the tourists who came to town and gushed about the mountain scenery. Um, and to us, it was no big deal. I mean, the mountains were just there. I mean, we lived there. And the first time that I ever came to Saskatchewan, I think we'd been on the prairie at, in Alberta for a couple of years. The first time that I ever came to Saskatchewan, I took a picture of, of Kindersley, of the highway at Kindersley, because I'd never seen anything so flat before in my life. It was weird. The trouble is, when you live with the spectacular, it tends to become ordinary. Do you understand what I'm saying? When you live with the spectacular, it tends to become ordinary. And you wind up taking things for granted. And not only do you take it for granted, you tend to minimize it and feel hard done by if you don't have what other consider ordinary, like walleye and pike. You see, all I caught was salmon and trout. I mean, like, you know, didn't have any of those nice slimy pike to play with. And so I felt hard done by, and the spectacular became ordinary. And there's the same danger of this thing happening in our spiritual lives. We become familiar, familiar and sated with the spectacular. See, and the spectacular becomes ordinary, and we wind up focused on the earthly and the temporary. What am I talking about? Let's get into the story. If you read the story in Luke, there's a new healer on the scene. His name is Jesus. And, and Jesus, like, it, it wasn't a pleasant time to live. There were no doctors, there were no medicines, there were no hospitals, there were no artificial hips and, and knees and all the rest of these things. There were no operations. I mean, life was harsh in those days. It was fairly primitive. And so when Jesus comes on the scene, you can shut that down, Anson, thank you. And turn the lights back on up here. Um, when, when Jesus comes on the scene, people start flocking to him. And when you read the previous chapter and, and, and the previous pericope here, you, you find that people are flocking to Jesus. In fact, uh, if you look at verse uh, 15 there, it says, The news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. And so the crowds were coming to Jesus to be healed because this was something they'd never seen before. 
And even then, as now, nobody enjoys pain or handicaps or debilitation. And so all these people came flocking to Jesus, to this new healer who was on the scene. And so here's this man who's paralyzed, not able to walk, totally dependent on other people. But he's fortunate. He has four friends. Four friends who have faith, they have creativity, they have persistence, and they have courage. They're guys, they think of the weirdest things. And so the four of them decide, or the five of them decide, that they're going to go to Jesus. Four guys said, we're going to take our buddy to Jesus because Jesus can heal him. So they get there, and the place is absolutely jam-packed. A lot of people are there. Some of the religious mucky-mucks are there to check Jesus out. No way that they're going to get in to see Jesus. And so they get creative. They're guys. They think there's got to be a way of doing this. We've got to figure something out. And so there's a stairway on the outside of the house. The roof is flat. It's made up of tiles. And and so they work their way through the roof, find an opening, make an opening in the right place, and plop their buddy down right in front of Jesus. I wonder what everybody else was thinking. Can you imagine the, what are these stupid guys doing, eh? And, and you wonder, like, did they think ahead? Did they bring some ropes? Like, like, did they have this figured out? Did they improvise? I don't know. There's all kinds of... When I meet them in heaven, I want to ask them some questions. Like, you know, what made you decide to do this? Like, like, you know, which one of you had the goofy idea and then the rest of you decided to go along with it? I mean, that was a great idea. And they let their buddy down in front of Jesus. And Jesus is is no dummy. He knows what they want. But Jesus sees beyond the man's need who is laying on this mat in front of him and says to this man the most astounding thing. The Bible says in verse 20 that when Jesus saw their faith, gave these five guys, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, Your sins are forgiven. But that wasn't why he was there. He wanted to get healed. And Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. Oh, come on, I want to get healed. And the experts are sitting there thinking, who does this guy think he is? Who has the power to forgive sin? Only God can do that. So who does this guy think he is? And so Jesus poses them this question. He says to them, which is easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up and walk? Help me out. Which one's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven, right? Because you can't prove it. Right? I mean, I can say to you, your sins are forgiven, and and I've got no proof of that. How do I know? So Jesus said, okay, so that one's easier to say, but which one's harder to do? See? Which one's harder to do? To forgive sin or to make somebody better? Of course, sins 
forgiving sins, there's no way of proving that on the short term. You see, healing involves no personal expense or inconvenience on God's part. God can wave his fingers or snap his fingers and wave his hand and say, be healed, and poof, that's it, you're done. But what does it cost God to forgive sin? It costs God his son. It cost Jesus his life. It cost Jesus his status, his pride, his place, and his inheritance. So my challenge to you this morning is this. Which one is the real miracle? Is it a bigger miracle to have your sins forgiven, or is it a bigger miracle to be healed? And let me put before you that it's a bigger miracle to have your sins forgiven than it is to be healed from an illness. You see, healing is like going to a banquet. Let's say you go to a banquet. It's an absolutely sumptuous, gorgeous place. A couple of years ago, no, it was only a year ago, Kathy and I had the privilege of going on this cruise in the Caribbean. I mean, the food was, oh, you know, it was so good. And the warm chocolate melting cake, I mean, oh, the warm chocolate melting cake. After every meal, you could just have it. Like They served other desserts, but the warm chocolate melting cake. But the trouble is, you see, getting healed is like going to a banquet. When you go to a banquet, you leave there you enjoy the food. It was absolutely fantastic. You're full. You can't eat another bite, but 24 hours later, guess what? You want to eat again, right? You see, healing is temporary. It's only temporary. All the people that Jesus healed, even those who were raised from the dead, died. And you may not like hearing this, but you're going to die. It may not be today. It may not be tomorrow. But unless Jesus comes back, you're going to die. And some of you are going to get sick before you die. It's my wish that I might die healthy and quickly. But that's not my decision to make. You see, healing is only temporary. Having your sins forgiven is eternal. And the trouble is that we get so used to the spectacular, which is having our sins forgiven, that we lose sight of it and wind up choking, or chasing rather, the relatively ordinary. At Emmanuel Baptist Church, we serve communion on the first Sunday of every month where we claim by faith that Jesus Christ died for us and our sins are covered. Just about every time that you and I pray, we ask for and receive forgiveness. It becomes very ordinary. It's like living in the mountains in the most spectacular of scenery and that which is spectacular becomes ordinary and we wind up chasing that which is temporary and losing sight of that which is eternal. And so Jesus said to this man, friend, your sins are forgiven. And he says, oh, by the way, he says, to prove 
that I have the power to forgive sins. Pick up your mat, get up, pick up your mat, and walk home. And the Bible says immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, We have seen remarkable things today. And let me propose to you that the most remarkable thing that they saw was that someone's sins were forgiven. And you and I can have the same miracle. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us unrighteousness. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, when we go to Jesus and say, Lord, I have messed up, Jesus said, yeah, I know, I paid for that. I took care of it for you. Your sins are forgiven. You're covered. That's the greatest miracle. I don't like pain any more than anybody else. I don't like sickness any more than anybody else. I was sick for a couple of days this week, and, and, and I'm still in a fair bit of pain. Probably not anywhere as what, near what some of you are. I didn't like it. It wasn't an enjoyable experience. But you know, as uncomfortable and as inconvenient as that was, the greatest miracle, and I'm glad that I'm somewhat better, but the greatest miracle is that my sins are forgiven. Compared to physical comfort, having our sins forgiven is way bigger. Sometimes you and I ask for healing. And sometimes we get it. But sometimes we don't. And when you don't get what you ask for, don't lose sight of what you've already been given. The forgiveness of sin is a far greater miracle than physical healing. It's been said that sometimes Jesus calms, is the one who calms the storm in which we find ourselves. But at other, ones, other times, Jesus calms the one who is in the storm. Do you get the difference? Sometimes Jesus calms the storm. But sometimes Jesus calms the one who is in the storm. And so here it is. We must not lose sight of the spectacular and the eternal in the quest for that which is ordinary and temporal. Healing only lasts for this life. Your sins forgiven last for all of eternity, and therein lies the greater miracle. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that you have the power to heal sickness and disease. And thank you that in eternity those things will be done with. Lord, we have seen you heal, but we've also heard you say no at times. But Father, the far greater miracle is that we can sit here before you with the assurance that our sins are forgiven because Jesus Christ paid the price for us. Oh, Father, give us the faith to believe that and give us the, the insight to rejoice in that, to accept the far greater miracle that our sins have been forgiven and that we are covered for all eternity. Thank you, Father, for your grace, for your mercy. Thank you for your involvement in our daily lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.